0: In cultures where the death-rebirth cycle is practiced regularly through their community and spiritual and religious practices, uh, they also, as you earlier said, see death as a process of of life and that we're just changing forms. Mm -hmm. And so it's nothing to be frightened of. Right. This exists in the Greek tradition as well. Mm. Some people have heard it many different ways, but I'll mention a few um well we've all heard of socrates
1: yes and we
0: all know that socrates most people know socrates was a spiritual man who gave us the concept of soul the soul that we have now
2: Mm -hmm.
0: or socrates they had the word but people thought the soul was something like a ghost just an image that floats away and becomes disembodied but socrates taught us that the soul is uh, our deep core inner being and also the source of our ability to determine right from wrong, good from evil. Mm-hmm. And that we actually grow and deepen when we choose and do the good. Our souls grow and we hurt our souls and they shrink like the Grinch, <laughs> the little heart that was too yeah. big, sizes too small. That when we do wrong, when we harm other people, our our hearts and our souls are shrinking like that. We yeah. become meaner and we're hurting ourselves and we're hurting others. So, they had the concept of the soul and that the soul can grow and deepen or be harmed and hurt. Socrates also taught and all of the Greek philosophers taught that philosophy is the what we study in order to live a good life. It's not Back then, it wasn't an esoteric academic discipline that very few people can understand and or use, but rather, uh, philosophia literally means be, uh, being a friend of wisdom. And Sophia was the goddess of wisdom, but it wasn't weird esoteric stuff. It was how to live a good life well for yourself and for others, how to participate in society and... Live, live well, not hurting yourself or others. So philo- being a philosopher was being a friend of wisdom and it was meant to prepare us for death. So it, when we read the dialogues about, of Socrates taking, uh, drinking the hemlock poison, mm-hmm. he's gathered with his friends and his students in the last days of his life. They're frightened because he's going to die and they're going to lose him. And he keeps saying, I can't convince you that Socrates won't be dead. My body will be dead, but Socrates is going somewhere else. And I, you're gonna, please don't cry and miss me. I'm still, my soul is still alive and well and living somewhere else. And who knows, maybe I'm going to talk with Homer and the other Greek great <laughs> philosophers. And maybe it's better on the other side. And if it's not maybe it's just a long dreamless sleep so we're at peace so he was really not afraid philosophy was meant to teach people to not be afraid and the great teachers um, of all the traditions learned buddha was peaceful Mm
2: -hmm.
0: all the great teachers uh, of all the religious traditions were peaceful and accepting that death is not the end of our spiritual life it's only the end of our mortal life one more thing about greece the Greek tradition is some people have heard of uh, what are called the Eleusinian Mysteries or the Eleusian Mysteries. They're, they're spelled Eleusis in English. Oh, okay. uh, right. These were mystery practices. They lasted over 2,000 years and people went to a site called Eleusis, which is not far from Athens. It's like... Mm-hmm like a half-hour, 40-minute car, taxi ride from Athens, but um, this is the place where in Greek mythology, the goddess Demeter, the goddess of the grain, of the mm. earth, um, where Persephone, her daughter, was kidnapped and taken to the underworld by Hades, the god of the underworld, and kept yeah. down there, and Demeter came, and she grieved there. Mm-hmm. And Most school children learn this myth and that this is why we have the seasons, because Persephone was kept underground and all life died on earth. Everything became winter until she came back, but she had a return. Uh, She actually became um, Hades' wife and she became the queen of the underworld. So she had to go back every year for one season and that's winter.
2: Mm -hmm. And then
0: spring is when is Persephone's rebirth. So All the beautiful wildflowers and the spring rains and the warm sunshine that we get is Persephone coming back.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. So we learn that, and that's one of the ways that we learn what mythology, or we're taught that mythology were superstitious stories that explain natural events that we don't understand yet. That's way not all that mythology is. Right. Way not all, and we can talk about that. but regarding demeter and persephone so at this site called eleusis eleusis for about 2000 years there were mystery rituals practiced there where people they came from all over the mediterranean world they also they walked from athens it's um a two day walk from athens to eleusis and everybody was invited even expected this was a major spiritual religious event of their culture Mm -hmm. where people spent nine days walking there and then seven days in intensive rituals where they actually replicated persephone's descent to the underworld through rituals through maybe substances that they were given to replicate the the experience of dying Mm -hmm. um people replicated Persephone's descent into the underworld and staying down there in the darkness for a long time and being transformed there. And the testimony we have from those times is from people who went through this is that the purpose of this ritual was to learn that the body dies, but the soul is immortal Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and to heal people from their fear of death. And so we have beautiful testimony from those times, including from some famous people like Pindar, who was uh, a priest uh, uh, in this tradition of um, that going through these rituals really healed him of this fear of death. In fact, he wrote a beautiful letter to his wife that survives. Uh, They had a three-year-old daughter who died. Uh, He was um, away from home. The wife was Home Alone, he wrote this beautiful letter of consolation to his wife, reminding her that though we miss our daughter and we'll always grieve her, we're not grieving her soul because we know her soul is alive and immortal because we're both initiates of the mystery and we both learned that the soul lasts forever and goes somewhere else and is reborn somehow. So don't grieve too much for our daughter, but love and support through prayer and memory, through her soul that is immortal. So the Vietnamese are Buddhist and, they be- and they're and they not afraid of death. And that's one of the many reasons that they won the war that we call the Vietnam war, but they call the American war. Mm-hmm. They are communal. They believe in reincarnation. They were willingly dying for their country, not fearing that it's the end, just that it's the end of this life. But they're fulfilling their duty and their karma. They'll be reincarnated. And so there's nothing to fear. Whereas American soldiers, of course, feared individual death. And they just wanted to live through the war and get home safely.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So the Vietnamese were not afraid to die and sacrificed many more lives than the Americans. It's one of many reasons. And we learned that when I leave pilgrimages to Vietnam as well. They're very, very, very happy, peaceful people. Um They even say that all the deaths during the war were the karma of the people who had died. So they're not even angry at Americans for all the death we caused. Mm. We're so glad you've come back, heal with us. Uh, We're sorry you have post-traumatic stress disorder. We know about it. We don't suffer that way here.
1: Yeah, I think uh, you said that in your book. Um, I remember hearing you say something about that, how, um, even after the Vietnam War, they healed in community together. And because of that and their traditions of healing, there's very little, uh, PTSD. And then here in the United States, you know, you, that's all you can really hear about or depression, anxiety, insomnia, um, And that's what really separates us, the United States, from so many countries, is that we don't heal in community. We don't heal together. You know, maybe our military comes home, they have a little adjustment period, and then they get sent home into civilian life. You know, they don't really uh, heal together in community with their sisters and brothers that they just fought a war for and now they're left really to just fend for themselves in a way and i mean that's really what makes us so different not necessarily in a good way from many other countries
2: yes uh
0: people it takes, I'm going to, let's compare it to the Greek tradition again, okay. and even the Vietnamese tradition, both. So, um, well, in ancient Greece, people had two full years of military training before they were allowed to uh, go into combat.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Okay. Uh, that's in Athens. In Sparta, the, the, the boys, and the women, the young women, too, they were raised from childhood. To be mm. warriors, so mm. Sparta was a warrior culture, and everybody was raised to be a warrior, including the women. The women did at Olympics, and they and they were trained in fighting in case they ever had to defend Sparta if um, foes came mm. that far. So they weren't sent out into the battlefield, but they were ready and able to fight if they had to. Um, in Athens, people received two full years of training. And they were eligible for military service from age 20 to age 60. Oh, wow. Everybody was in permanent reserve, what we would call the reserves. Okay. And there were no salaries. You right. had to <laughs> provide your own food, your own weapons, your own. If you were a wealthier person and you had a horse, you could be in the cavalry. But mm-hmm. no, the state didn't give you uh All military service was considered civil service. Mm -hmm. Everybody had to do it. Everybody had to be ready to uh, defend their homes if they had to. And it was something the individuals were giving to the society because of everything the society gave them. Mm -hmm. All of that is completely different. Even now, people who serve in the Greek military, it doesn't have the same demands as the ancient times had. But uh, same thing. There's almost no salary. Families support their son or daughter when they're in the Greek military because it's still considered civil service, what you give back to the society for what it's given you. Um, Every responsible culture took, a traditional culture, took the time, a lot of time and a lot of support to bring warriors back. No sane culture thinks you can just bring them back and pop them into civilian life again and they'll be okay doesn't happen can't happen right uh, in the Bible, for example, Moses ordered all returning Israelite warriors from every battle not they didn't have a year-long deployment. they might have had a walk a couple of weeks to where they were going to fight. Yeah. <laughs> So it's not that they went overnight and came right back, but they weren't sent away for a year or two years or three years. Uh, And after the battles were terrible, but then they went home. So it was one big battle um, for the most part. And Moses ordered that every single Israelite soldier had to spend a full week in isolation outside the village and not go home and during that time be attended by the priests and priestesses and go through intensive purification practices with fire and water to take the war the war out of them, mm. to even cleanse their clothes and their weapons. Mm-hmm. They couldn't go home with the pollution. Um, in Vietnam, because in contrast to the American experience there of invade and have a terrible year if you survive and come home and then your country ignores you or spits on you. Mm -hmm. Um, Vietnam has been invaded by older, stronger cultures for 2000 years. China uh, for most of the time, France for 200 years Mm -hmm. Um, and then We were just the last invaders. Actually, the Vietnamese don't sometimes don't even talk about the American invasion. They talk, they say, well, uh, you weren't here for a long time but you were were the last colonialists to try to take our country away from us. Mm -hmm. And and for us, the Vietnam war, your war, the American war was a war for independence. We didn't want China, we didn't want Russia. And we only became communists because the west turned against us and after world war ii tried to give it give us back to france which is true and uh, uh america said to Viet- um, uh, vietnam was our ally during world war ii fighting against the japanese
2: okay
0: okay ho chi Minh thought we're allies with the west and 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 uh in fact We modeled our Declaration of Independence after the American Declaration of Independence. Of course, we're friends with the West now. We fought the fascists. They'll let us be free. Yeah. No, instead, France wanted the colony back. Truman said, okay. The oldest Vietnam veterans I've worked with in my career were World War II veterans who were in the Navy taking French soldiers back to Vietnam when the war was over rather than coming home. And the United States paid for 90% of the French war. So a lot of history that Americans need to know and we don't, that clarifies our misunderstanding of the past. Um, Yes, okay, so the Vietnamese know how to take care of themselves during wars and since, because for over 2000 years, they've been invaded by larger, stronger countries. So, Buddhism, Confucianism, worshipping ancestors, believing in reincarnation, honoring and praying for the souls of the dead, um, and many, many other practices, Uh, and that they were invaded, they weren't aggressors, Mm. so they don't have what we now call moral injury. We weren't invading other people to take their country and their goods away from them. We're only defending our own. Mm-hmm. They also have the concept of karma. Mm-hmm. And they do say there's historical as well as personal karma. So the Vietnamese say, well, about 3,000 years ago, when China took over the Viet people and tried to absolve all of them, the survivors went from southern china down into the territory that's vietnam now okay and so 2 to 3000 years ago we invaded the indigenous people and took their land away from them so we had we vietnamese people had bad historical karma and we needed to be invaded and suffer the same pain we've caused other people to balance our karma
2: mm. so
0: french and americans we don't hate you you actually were healing us by teaching us how horrible war is and what we did to other people Mm
2: -hmm. and so
0: we welcome you back (laughs) and we're all brothers and sisters because we've all survived hell together so for all these reasons Vietnamese do not have chronic wartime post-traumatic stress disorder but we don't have any of those practices or teachings Mm -hmm. and so we and we rush people home and and ignore them and yeah. You're home this afternoon? Well, yeah, there's your family waiting for you across on the tarmac. So fill out your form, tell us the military officially you don't have any PTSD symptoms and go home. No, they're going home with the war inside them and in denial. So of course there is massive drug abuse, alcohol abuse, domestic violence, sexual abuse, child abuse, inevitably, of mm-hmm. course, because we haven't taken the war out of them. They're still suffering inside. And what we call post-traumatic stress disorder is really the same consciousness, the brain, the heart, the soul, working like it did in the combat zone, only the body's back here. Yeah. And has healed.
1: Yeah. And that's what... Um... I mean, that's what shamanism also does as well Mm
2: -hmm.
1: soul retrieval because when you go through a ptsd even if it's a car accident it doesn't have to be as grand as a war but if you go through a ptsd and you can lose pieces of your soul and we don't talk about that either because we as the United States are still focused on the physical and mental level of health right. we're not even talking about emotions uh yet it's kind of out there but we don't even talk about how emotions have an effect on the body and how we live our life so to talk about soul retrieval and power retrieval because we can also have that loss of power feeling powerless feeling like what to what do I do now because no one's guiding me after the PTSD no one's helping me so now you have to so now you have loss of some loss of power and some loss of your soul and people walk around like they're kind of like zombies or they walk around dissociated Mm -hmm. from their family, their community. And I know um, before you were talking about the Greeks and how they had to um, not go home yet. They had to stay a week or a week before going home. Yes. Um, that actually reminded me of Native Americans use sweat lodges. Yes. And that too is to purify the war or any um, violence, uh, really like the the evil, the negative um, out of the body, anything that has happened. And that's what it reminded me of was Native American sweat lodges as well
2: yes
0: yes yes the native americans are also they were warrior cultures mm-hmm. and they had profound and long and deep rituals like the sweat lodges and vision quest and others for healing people and especially for taking the war out of the warriors
2: mm-hmm.
0: so um and a lot of the as we mentioned crazy horse was a medicine man not, yep. not only a warrior Many of the greatest uh, teachers and leaders uh, of the Native American tradition were medicine men. Mm -hmm. So Sitting Bull, very famous for being a chief and a warrior. Sitting Bull himself said that his most important role for his people was not warrior or chief, but he was medicine chief of the Hunkpapa Warrior Society. So that meant he was responsible for the spiritual healing of the warriors, just as you're saying. And so he conducted the sweat lodges and sent people on vision quests and did many of the ceremonies himself and went through several sun dances himself in order to heal himself or to heal the warriors. And in their tradition, what we call post-traumatic stress disorder in the Lakota language is called Nahina peapi which translates as what you were saying, the spirit's left. Mm. They don't say it's broken brain. There's something wrong with your brain chemistry. They say the spirit's left. And when that happens, our holy people need to guide ritual to bring the spirit back into the person. Mm -hmm. And so they had many, many ways of doing that. I'm also trained and initiated in Native American practices. Um, mm. But they had many, many ways for bringing the soul back and they never would have just brought somebody back from a battlefield and said, go home to your family. Never, never, never.
1: No, because they had, they're they're also community oriented.
0: Right, Yeah, and that harms the entire community.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we have to take care of every community member. Nobody is a throwaway unfortunately in our individualistic society it's what you said you're on your own take care of yourself get home if you can uh, but no more community you're out of the military and you're not in community here we all live alone and you're on your own you're not even giving you the help you need and would throw massive doses of pharmaceuticals at you
2: and good luck yeah
0: So, um, healing doesn't happen that way. And, uh, therefore an inadequate, neglectful homecoming is a major source of PTSD Mm -hmm. and, uh, regarding your observations or the one we're sharing, uh, this, this is in some of my books about our warriors. Um, so my two books, war in the soul and warriors return. Both talk about this extensively and propose since we have the acronym PTSD, we could translate it instead of stress disorder, post-traumatic soul distress. Mm. The soul and all of the symptoms aren't things to be medicated. They're the soul screaming its pain and anguish. And right, you're right. Helplessness and hopelessness and lost condition when When we don't know how to say it and put it into words, it's in our bodies, as you rightly said. uh, And we don't even have the words to express this terrible anguish. So our bodies are expressing it. So we are in soul distress. And also, as we're both affirming, uh, communal societies don't have the same kind of wound. And we spend literally billions and billions of dollars making war and destroying our people and other people and our planet. So, uh, and that's also sick. So PTSD is also post-traumatic social disorder. Mm -hmm. It's not an individual pathology that that veteran or that car accident survivor has. It's a communal wound that we all have that we're forcing on the individuals And Mm -hmm. then diagnosing them and saying it's their problem.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Rather than, as you and I have both been saying, all of the massive social problems that America has are all symptoms of PTSD. Substance abuse, alcoholism, sexual abuse, domestic violence, street violence, high crime rates. All of this is PTSD. So just look at the country and diagnose this country as having severe Post-traumatic soul distress and social disorder breaking down everywhere, and blaming the victims and saying it's an individual psychological diagnosis, and and then uh, giving them pharmaceuticals that feed the drug companies their massive profits, and nothing changes.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, thank you very much uh, for saying yes to this interview. And I look forward to attending one of your events again.
2: Thank you.